fake, fake, fakety fake. Hi, I'm Jody. Oh no. <laughs> I really fucked this up. Didn't uh, I? Welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far right podcast Rebel News, then talk about the kids not being into the gay stuff anymore with my friend Evelyn this week. <laughs> yeah, we've been forsaken. Yeah. <laughs> this episode, we will be covering December 9th and 10th. How are you, Evelyn? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm still gay. I'm a little overcaffeinated. Um, <laughs> I think I'm overall pretty chill. Awesome. I'm not completely scared of reality. Not yet. Not completely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, well, the goal of this show is to make you completely afraid of reality by the end of it. I don't no. know if this is what I agreed to, but yeah. <laughs> I did not sign this particular contract. Yeah, we really need like a waiver before the show now. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. No, 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 no. I, I signed up to deal with transphobia, so whatever. <laughs> I mean, don't we all, though? Really? Yeah, there is no escaping it. Caitlin is still busy, so this is Evelyn's second appearance, uh-huh. uh, appearance for people who remember. Periods. Yeah, sometimes like flub words. Uh, last time she was on, she really wanted to talk about trans issues, so... Yeah. Uh, this will give me a lot of really fun opportunities. Yeah. I was just working on my, my thesis earlier, which is also about gender shit. It's very gay. I have 69 genders, but it's the same one. Oh, that, that, that was really bad. <laughs> Take that out. You're editing that uh, shit out. I'm sorry. That was so bad. Uh, no, it's in there now. You, Fuck you. you. <laughs> Uh, Castle. Also, I've shortened the number of days we're going to cover <sighs> in an attempt to shorten the length of the show for those who are like, two hours is too much. I can't handle that much great content all at once. Yeah. So we're I've gonna. <laughs> so we're gonna like uh, try to make it shorter. Uh, we also received a correction from episode fifteen. So I'm gonna go over that right okay, now. Owned once again. This is exactly how we started this, off last time. You keep those fucking are the it up. only two times I've ever had to do corrections. <laughs> so. When I'm around here to bitch at you yeah. for it. <laughs> exactly. Nice. Yeah. Hi, Future Jody here. I just wanted to hop in and say that the correction is in regard to last episode when I said, basically, that the Chinese government is trying to remove Muslim culture. The correction is that this is a giant overgeneralization to what is happening, since there are other Muslim cultures and groups in China that are not treated the same way as uh, Uyghurs are. I also knew this, and so I think it was just something I didn't catch when I was going off script, but given the sensitive nature of this topic, I will try to be more careful going forward. I decided to record this additional segment because Evelyn and I got way off track on this, and so I will just point out she said she wants to not be attached to any of this because she doesn't know enough on the topic, and fair enough, but I also didn't want to play our dialogue for fear of an endless correction segment where no one is satisfied. So I will just say I stand by most of what I said last episode and you can check it out again if you are interested. If you think I am wrong, I will definitely read what anyone sends my way. I will just note that this discourse is difficult because there are many interests involved. So don't be upset if you send me a blog that I can't assess for accuracy and then complain when I don't change my mind. Uh, It's going to be an ongoing thing. (laughs) This topic is very important, though, and it'll keep coming up, and I just hope we can continue having a dialogue on this going forward, and I will try my best not to say anything that is clearly false. So, sorry for getting that wrong. I'll try to be careful in the future. So now, back to the show. Oh, wait! One last thing. We didn't mention that on Wednesday the 18th, select school districts will be shutting down if a deal with OSSTF is still not reached. I know for sure this includes Waterloo and Thames Valley, which is London. So get out there and support teachers and support the support workers as well. Now, back to the show.
if you like what we do here, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes or sending us a couple bucks over on patreon.com slash imperial news. And now, the Imperial Roundup. Hello, my rebels. Hello, my rebels. I'm a good boy. I'm a weirdo. All right, so December 9th. So this is going to be the focus of most of our show. And then we'll do just a, a brief cover of December 10th. But on the 9th, Ezra wants to talk about a study put out by GLAD. And GLAD, for those who don't know, is the Gay and Lesbians uh, Alliance Against Anti-Defamation? Uh, or Against Anti-Defamation? For against some reason, that's Against uh, Defamation. Yep. Alliance Against Defamation. It's, it's two A's. It's right. like GLAD. GLAD! GLAD! I already got two. That's enough. <laughs> and, and so basically, he's covering this uh, study because he, even though he says he only found it yesterday, so on the 8th, uh, the study was done back in. It really goes June. out of his way to have a shit town, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. I did a whole like eight hours of kind of research in this. Like I looked it up on Google once, guys. Come on. It oh, must I, be because of the gender crew. It's the... gonna be worse than you think. <laughs> oh no no no! I, but I mean, uh, but the point is, the study was done all the way back in June, so it's kind of weird that it took this long for him to talk about it. And what the study looks like, he's a perverse opportunist. It's definitely that. Well, what you're going to find out is it's it's piggybacking on other people's opportunism as well, which is often what the right wing does is they'll just constantly one buddy or one of the people within the pantheon of right wing media will cover something, and then every <laughs> single other every single other person has to cover it. That's they, just... they like go get together and they offer like a fucking tribute sacrifice a goat in the name of like... <laughs> well it almost feels like there is like a board meeting where you got like the drudge report info wars <laughs> like, yeah and they all sit there and we're like what are we covering this week and like, some, then some guy some guy like goes and carves open a goat and start re starts reading yeah. its entrails for the future but really we know it's probably like a little bit more organic which is just somebody covered it and then I everyone's feel like, entrails like are i like organic. it all... well, <laughs> literally yeah 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 Anyway, so this study indicates uh, a drop in support for LGBTQ uh, from non-LGBTQ identifying millennials, so between the ages of 18 and 34, since 2016. This decline of support is mostly from those who identify as males, and we will get into the details of the study. But for now, Ezra wants to talk about Jessica Yaniv. He, he doesn't... <laughs> She's really convenient, isn't she? Uh, yes. And they harass her all the time, which is, again, going to occur in this episode. Right. So he doesn't really say anything new. He continues to dead name her, for example, and misgender her. But then for the first time since I've been listening, he actually addresses the dead naming and misgendering. Normally, it's just done without yeah. an addressing. He's very, but... very respectfully calling her sir. So he begins by saying that Yaniv is currently being charged with a crime. That's what he says, Ezra right. says, about Yaniv. Now, I looked into it. So Yaniv was taken into RCMP custody after brandishing a taser during a YouTube debate with Blair she's, White. She's so normal. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> and this was back in August. And the weapon, which is illegal in Canada, was then taken from her. But there's no evidence that further charges have been laid on Yaniv. 
and missing from Ezra's discussion of this is that Yaniv uh, is set when when she brandished the taser on the live stream, said she had it because of the harassment she is receiving, which is coming from Ezra clearly even in this uh, broadcast as well. So I'm not saying it's good that she had an illegal weapon, but it's maybe there's like uh, a a cause that leads to her wanting to have this weapon, right? Then Ezra says the court referred to her by both names, so uh, Jessica and uh, the name before, yeah. Then says her mother uh, refers to her as quote-unquote him, and as evidence, they play the clip where David Menzies is harassing her, where we played this when you were on last time as well, and you can hear the mom yell that pronoun, but that to me is like not... Like, that's the least offensive thing that's occurring in that video where you have David Menzies, like, throwing worse things at Yaniv and shoving a camera in her face. And uh, and all the time trying to sound like he's being harassed while yeah. they're, like, actively <laughs> pursuing them. And, yeah. Yeah, that was a really fun time. So then, oh, finally, right. he gets into... So the, he, ex- he goes through all that detail, and then he finally gets to explaining why... Uh, Ezra is okay with the dead naming and the misgendering. So I tell you all this because whenever Kean would tweet something about the trial, it would be immediately taken down by Twitter. And Kean would get a message saying that unless he deleted that tweet, he would be suspended. I think this happened five times to him. And it was for the high crime of misgendering Yaniv, even though that's simply an accurate report of what the courts say and what mom calls or then there's dead naming that is when you refer to someone by their former name but like i say that's what the court calls team was just reporting what other people were saying but trans politics is so extreme that twitter literally censored key and why should we refer to her the way that she says when her mom's a dumbass and everyone else is a dumbass too <laughs> obviously the point is to be a dumbass right now oh well, my well God, there's one so thing intentionally stupid there's one thing that I couldn't get to, well, I wouldn't say to the bottom of, but like I barely I mean, looked Jessica into Yaniv it. Jessica Yaniv is a dumbass. Like no. this, this entire fucking thing is no, a I whole know. lot of and dumbasses. No, I know. We're gonna we're gonna move on from Jessica Yaniv in a second. But the thing that, like, the court case had it with both names, and I think there was a time period where at that time when she initially made the complaint to the Human Rights Commission that she was going by both names, and so that was her right at that time. Right as soon as she decides that. I'm now just going by Jessica. They should have just respected that. But of course, they go on on Twitter and start throwing around her dead name and misgendering her. And that's why you're getting your tweets kicked off Twitter because you're harassing someone. Another reporter named Anna Slats from the Post Millennial was censored too. It's crazy. But now you know why GLAD uh, doesn't spell out its name anymore, gay and lesbian, etc., because they'd be ripped to shreds by the trans activists because there's no letter T in glad Ezra keeps making that argument throughout I think that's the only time I clipped it which is this kind of like no trans person likes glad because there's no t in the name but I've I mean I'm sure there might be some criticisms of that but I couldn't find any with the simple google search I mean I'm I mean glad so rarely even comes up in so much of this shit so a lot of it comes down to this concept of um representation like, there's this way that, like, just Jessica Yaniv's existence ends up being, like, the nexus for, like, she gets amplified like crazy 
because yep. she's among very few people who actually at least seem to represent what the right wing wants trans people to represent. Um, and that's why it is that she has so much publicity and whatever. She's like so fucking exploitable. She yep. really needs to learn to just fucking stay inside and like take care of herself first before she goes around gratifying herself with the notion that she's some kind of a huge fucking advocate. Look, fact is that there are people who are much, have her, their shit together much, much, much better than she does who are also abusing that kind of thing. Like, and I don't even want to rag on them like too much, but you know, like Natalie Wynn counterpoints would be an example of that kind of thing. You know, someone who actually, you know, has her shit relatively together, but also gratifies herself with the notion that she gets to speak for a large, large, large group of people, and in the process often throws tons of people under the bus. And like, you know, Jessica Yaniv has to shut up and stay inside for a little while because <laughs> this kind of thing keeps on happening and it just gives people ammunition. Then meanwhile, I have to do my like fucking thesis research and whatever and all over the place, the one of the biggest concerns that trans people have to seem to have is the is difficulty with the idea that on a day-to-day -day basis, they're often the only trans people, trans person that several cis people have in their lives. And as a result, they end up being inducted into this this situation where like they are taken to be a spokesperson for an entire fucking community and the fact is that trans people are all over the place we are very different from person to person we share yeah, no a great community deal. is homogenous yeah but this is the thing is that like you know right here and it's like you know all of a sudden you know th these people want to act as if jessica yaniv is the trans woman up until such point as it has something to do with her, like, pronouns and name and whatever. At which point, all of a sudden, her fucking mom is supposed to have more authority than she does. And, and like, shitty court judges and whatever. Now, there is one person who gets to determine that, whether or not that is respectful, and that is Jessica Yaniv. Because she is the one who's responsible for all that. And she doesn't get, get to say, oh, well, everyone else is doing it. Like, that's motherfucking stupid. It's self-evidently stupid. It's not even contestable. And I think there's one thing to, to what you're saying, which is that how the community dynamics and how people talk to amongst themselves to try to like self-reflect about who gets to represent and in which way our community mm -hmm. and like how to sort of like navigate that. But I think there's like a bigger picture, which is something that fr frustrates me about listening to this podcast, which is this idea that somehow someone has to be perfect all the time to represent a cause. And that is in itself frustrating. No, not saying that Yaniv should represent a cause. Uh, she obviously has other uh, issues, like examples of racism that we've talked about right. on the show. But the point is that it, the same thing happens in, say, the, the Palestinian conflict, where whenever you have someone speaking out on Palestinian <laughs> There'll be rights, one guy talking about George Soros. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, it's like, they'll, yeah, they'll find out something that they've said somewhere uh, in their past and then go, yeah. therefore, screw it. And so it's like, part of me is like, I wish we can get past this idea that the people who are speaking to a specific cause must be perfect. No, mm. it, like, it's one thing to like, yes, keep it critical, but like, it doesn't mean that the cause itself is thereby ruined right, right, by yeah. the presence. You know? Yeah, no, like, I mean, there are a lot of people who support BDS for actually anti-Semitic reasons. They tend to make up a very Smart, marginal yeah. splinter minority, but they are there nonetheless. And the thing is that when they start talking, they get amplified because they're very convenient to the naysayers. Yeah. 
anyways, that was just my thought on it. But I, I, I do want to mention because one of the names that Ezra says is Anna Slats. And I think that's the first that time. Is. There you go. I think it's the first time that name has come up on our show. And so I wanted to inform some of our listeners about who this person is, but we won't go into too much details. But basically, she was fired from her job as editor-in-chief of the University of New Brunswick student newspaper called The oh, Baron after she published an op-ed by a Nazi. Yeah. And she has since gone on to write for Colette and the Post-Millennial. The, the other interesting thing about her, about her is that she used to write a blog that was an apologia of L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> See, this, why aren't we using this shit as a representative? Why is it that you have people like this in your thing? You know, people who are basically trying to rewrite like the protocols of the elders of Zion and also L. Ron well, Hubbard. That's people. the thing is like the thing that she was like apologizing for L. Ron was his like race stuff and trying yeah. to make it. Well, he wasn't really racist and going through. Yeah, anyways. see. Why, why isn't that normal? Why isn't that the normalized <laughs> thing for all you motherfucking nitwits who keep on, like, taking one person's voice and, you know, yeah. amplifying it like crazy? Since then, she's also been published in a lot of uh, articles critical of trans people, including participating at a speaking event in Vancouver back in November. Anyway. These speakers were Megan Murphy, Lindsay Shepard, and Jonathan Kay. And then Anna <laughs> Slats. So she's, uh, and it got protested, which is good. But she's in disgusting company <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 so ezra then gets into the survey itself addressing some of the questions the survey asks they ask questions that i think are interesting i i think they ask non-gay people for example if they'd be comfortable or uncomfortable in certain situations having someone gay at your church seeing gay wedding pictures learning a family member is gay those are good questions interesting questions you can see the issue gets that gets the most pushback, uh, pushback is learning my child has a lesson on LGBT history in school. You can see 39% of people would be uncomfortable with that. Now, what does that mean? How old is the child at school? Is it a child of tender years, kindergarten, grade one, grade two, or a child in high school, 16, 17, 18? Would it be a genuine neutral history? Here's what happened, here's what happened. Or an advocacy style history. I think those are important details, don't you? And I'm not surprised that 39% of people are wary. And in fact, I bet the concern is actually higher, that people are shy about telling a pollster something they know is contrary to the fashion. So wouldn't a genuine neutral history look at sexuality without like already kind of assuming a heteronormative like standpoint a cisnormative standpoint That's, i mean kids like, yeah. kids are already educated like crazy about heterosexuality at the age of like fucking five years old that's not usually considered ideology you know people are showing the, themselves showing kids like all kinds of pictures that involve like you know, heterosexuals holding hands and looking at each other in particular ways. Sometimes they even hug and kiss. And for some reason, that's not ideological. No, now, the no, moment know, you show homosexuals doing the same thing at each other, that's ideology. And now you're sexualizing children and brainwashing them into this, into thinking that this kind of thing is okay and normal. Like, I mean, that's the irony. Uh -oh. is. Like, I would criticize a kind of like conception of there being a whatever a, a neutral history. But even <clears throat> if you were to take what they're saying at face value, you're completely right, which is that a, a completely neutral history would just be open about the various kinds of sexuality that exist. You know, what we take for granted as this masculinity and femininity in this kind of unmarked, unqualified way 
is often something that's actually very sexualized you know like just referring to people as like boys and girls but of course when i say this i mean like i don't mean like sexuality as in like sexual attraction and fucking and all that kind of thing but rather the kinds of things you know sort of cultural signifiers that are bound up in all of that so you know this idea yeah, like that breadwinner like, or like something or just like social that. dynamics yeah, yeah 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 like and and so you know like there's this idea for instance that you know a gay man is going to enact some kind of gay masculinity and i think that it makes sort of more sense to think of it as like you know that there are various forms sort of cultural forms of gay maleness and of sort of sapphicness lesbianness uh, as well as heterosexuality kind of things and you know what we kind of recognize as masculinity and femininity as kind of a default state is actually kind of an expression of heterosexual mass maleness heterosexual yeah, straight yeah. to maleness i would actually say straight because straight is kind of more bound up in cultural signifiers than heterosexual yeah, is yeah. which sort of implies more to do with just sort of sexual attraction uh what i'm talking about is more kind of like what straightness ends up representing on a cultural level and that that is actually something that's being expressed in so many cultural signifiers that just show up all over disney movies and whatever and you know when when princess jasmine goes and kisses aladdin that's all quite you know that's all very cute and heartwarming and the you know families of eight-year-olds that are sitting there in the theater are quite enamored with all of that but if princess jasmine goes and kisses a girl that's ideology or, or even like in frozen where it doesn't even explicitly have the representation just people like suggest a, a, a yeah, lesbian right. representation Whoa. onto it, then you have people like Jordan yeah. Peterson shitting their pants. Yeah, know? see, and, and, and that that is, I'm sorry, but if anything on earth is homophobic, that is it. Right yeah. there. This idea that there is a political value to homosexuality and transness and whatever that does not exist when you're talking about the straight equivalents thereof. I'm sorry. Every, that Everything to do with that is homosexual. And it yeah. is <laughs> with homophobia. <laughs> and it really fucks me up to see that that kind of thing is still going on. I want to like take a quick second to not, you know, be full of vitriol and just sort of talk about like, you know, fucking, you know, gay stuff is absolutely beautiful. Like I, it was when I finally managed to find myself like as a lesbian and all that kind of thing and associate myself with all the cultural like concepts bound up in all of that that I really started actually coming to seriously like love myself in a way that I couldn't figure out before, you know, back when like trying to do, trying to love women the way that men love women just never fucking worked for me. And finding this kind of an alternative, like after I'd already kind of disengaged from masculinity and sort of found myself eventually inhabiting more and more of a girl kind of category, Finding myself in kind of lesbian sexuality and again, sexuality as kind of a cultural thing. It's something that goes beyond just attraction. Like that was huge for me and it continues to be huge for me. And I just feel like in a situation like this, I have to take some time to just sort of reflect no, oh, on that sure. because that's so much more powerful than just sort of and it's good the vitriol that and acid you know. that's bound up in the, you know, dickheads that are out there right and i think the thing is like find the community uh there's people out there who are gonna love you no matter what 
Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just absolutely. that it's and it's shitty that we have to deal with assholes like this, you know. Yeah. But they exist, <laughs> and uh, I want to live in a world where that is minimized as much as possible. The next thing is is interesting to me because it's a topic that Ezra has not talked about since we've done the show, and it's uh, a topic that I've heard endlessly on Infowars. So it was kind of surprising given that uh, just last week uh, Ezra went on Infowars and now he's spouting one of their narratives. All across Canada and the United States, there is a new fashion of having something called transvestite or drag queen story time in schools and libraries with children of very tender years, very young kids. Is, is that what they mean by that question? Or is it a high school class for 18 year olds? I see why some people are nervous. I think most people can be woke about what grown-ups discuss, but those same people could be against the early sexualization of young people talking oh, either well, straight fuck or yourself. Just leave the kids alone. I think that is the source of so much opposition to sex ed curriculums these days. Leftists have been pushing. Probably it's the, the junk science. I mean, like the Ontario government's position that there are six genders. Can you name them? By the way, being gay isn't a gender. Can you name the six genders? I bet you can't. It's not even science. That's junk science. But also, why are you talking to grade one kids about sexual things? They're in grade one. That, that's how early on Ontario sex had started. That's a fact. This narrative about like the uh, drag queen story time is something that Alex constantly uh -huh. talks yeah, about. And, and Alex is a lot more vitriolic about it. You could tell that Ezra's Ezra is there on page with Alex, but obviously not being as a, as explicit about it. He talks in terms of like you could tell why people are nervous, mm. and then he like talks about the children as being tender, as if like being read a story Think by about a, the children, a drag queen the children who are often finding a whole lot to relate to in this drag queen stuff, and you know finding reasons yeah. to like associate with all these kinds of cultural signifiers that are immensely fulfilling for them quite often you know like if you sit, sit there and they're like you're like oh that's like you're sexualizing children it's all very dirty and you know like for one thing stop being so easily offended you piece of shit <laughs> snowflake, snowflake. Yeah, yeah. but also like you know if you cannot see look at that and see how that associates with like all kinds of things we take for granted again about heterosexuality and whatever like and associate it with the ki same kinds of things that you might find quite effective, quite, you know, you know, things that evoke things for you. You can't find that parallel. If you can't imagine that kind of just like a certain modicum of fucking empathy, then I am sorry. For one thing, you're a gigantic fucking homophobe. And for another thing, quit ragging on things that are so obviously fucking beautiful. Fuck you. So the other thing is, too. So there's the the aspects of it that have to do with the curriculum. So in grade one. Nothing is really overtly sexual. Most of it is about uh, naming and locating parts of the genitalia. Not like on yourself in the classroom, but like here is a picture of the image. Can What is that? That's a penis, right? Okay. Uh, then the other thing is they also teach about how to notice exploitative behaviors like inappropriate touching. That is like the level <laughs> of education in grade one. And you would think yeah. that that's actually good education to know in grade one. Oh, no, no, no. It's supposed <laughs> to be good and wholesome that like, you know, coercive fucking patriarchal norms yeah. are just taken for granted. Fuck you again. So now, so then there was the claim about uh, they teach that there are six genders. And then he's like. Who's Can you name them? Yeah. So <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six. Like yeah. so in reality <laughs> No one says that. 
all they te- so this is this is the only thing I can think of what he's talking about, which is that they teach that there are ways of experiencing or ways that implicate a gender identity. So the categories that are taught are transgender, transsexual, intersex, two spirit, and cisgender. So those and that's, aren't genders. They're not genders, but they're sort of like things that could implicate yeah, your identity. Kind of like cardinalities of gender, I suppose. Right. And there's five of them, not six, except that I saw some people break down cis- cisgender as male and female. Which doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense, correct. Yeah. Uh, and the only reason I think this is what he's getting at is because I have I, I like tried searching uh, great, you know, they're teaching mm-hmm. six genders in grade one, and all I could find were pro life websites that were spouting this stuff and referring to yeah, those it's things. It's funny as how the they genders. keep on mythologizing things and then believing their own mythology. <laughs> Well, only- it's almost as if they never go outside of their stupid fucking bubble chamber and actually talk to people on their own terms. Yeah. They're just trying to kind of like evaluate everything according to their own fucking terms and they never actually have an honest discussion. Fuck you for being so bad at debate, by the way. Like so much for freedom of speech, you asshole. So Ezra then addresses the main finding in the uh, GLAD study, which is the whole reason he wants to have this uh, discussion. And... Uh, what the study found was that those who identify as non-LGBTQ and who are millennials, which again is age 18 to 34, they went from being 63% allies in 2016, according to the GLAD survey, to now 45% allies in 2018. And this trend is bigger for men than women. So with men, they went from 62% allies in 2016 to 35% allies in 2018. And women going from 65% allies in 2016 to 52% allies in 2018. Ezra then discusses how millennials differ from other groups in the study. See, support for LGBT hasn't plunged like this for all groups. It's just young people. Middle-aged people, senior citizens, they haven't suddenly fallen out with LGBT politics. Uh, Senior citizens, who you might think would be less pro-LGBT because they were born and raised in a more traditional era, their support hasn't fallen in half. What's going on? Why do millennials support LGBT rights less than their own grandparents. Grandparents! I don't think that that's true. It's just that it's declined more, right? So here's... (laughs) It's not true at all. Okay, Uh, cool. So notice that Ezra is talking about support, and he doesn't talk about allies, which is the language that GLAD uses in the report. In fact, the the GLAD report has a three-tier designation. So they have allies, detached supporters, and resistors. So allies are non-LGBTQ respondents who were either very or somewhat comfortable in all situations. Detached supporters are non-LGBTQ respondents whose comfort level varied across situations. And resistors, which are non-LGBTQ respondents who were either very or somewhat uncomfortable in all situations. So this doesn't mean that these individuals wouldn't support LGBTQ causes or rights, but it is about their uh, comfort level in specific situations. Oh, okay. Right? Also notice That's that actually interesting. Also notice that Ezra is saying that millennials support LGBTQ people less than their grandparents, but nothing in the report indicates that this is true. And I doubt Ezra contacted Glad or the Harris Polling Company to get any of the raw data. Well, the one thing is they showed uh, just a a baseline of how many adults support equal rights for gay people and or LGBTQ plus people showed 80% across the board. So even if you were a detached supporter, okay. you would still support 
So it's just being uncomfortable in certain situations. So, so wait then. So it's just like a, um, th- th- there's more discomfort in certain situations among people who are allies. Uh, or among people who are millennials. So millennials are uh, dropped in terms of allies. So they could be... Okay, this so is they're the less, that the a- less report... allies and more detachments of orders. Well, here's the thing is I don't know because I don't have the raw data either. Okay. So it's like it could be that there's more detached supporters now. And that resistors are still really low. Now, overall, resistors are low in the overall population. The other thing that Ezra claims is that somehow uh, your grandparents are more supportive of LGBTQ than you, which again is not in the data. So another way to characterize that is it's possible that baby boomers are way more uncomfortable but that the uncomfortableness has been stable over time. Exactly. In other words, maybe baby boomers were at 30% as allies in 2016 and then 31% allies in 2018. And that would be a very slight increase, but their allyship would still be far below uh, both men. So the millennial volume is still higher. It's just that it's declined more. That's what I was saying earlier. Right. Yeah. Okay. So the only other numbers I have access to show that 49% of adult surveys surveyed are in the ally category. And meaning, even with the drop in millennial support, millennial women are still above the average of uh, allyship, and millennial men are just slightly below it. So 38% of all adults are detached supporters, and only 13% are resistors. We were talking about this on the Discord. Since millennials are becoming more engaged in the material about human sexuality, that there could be more of them that would identify as LGBTQ oh, yeah, yeah. in various this, ways. This is what I was saying And therefore, your pool of candidates yeah. who are not no, we, LGBTQ. We, we talked about yeah. this on Discord earlier. Yeah. No, I, I was saying that, like, yeah, because there's, like, you know, it's sort of an availability heuristic where, you know, the people who would be allies are now more and more likely to disqualify themselves as, as you know, as being non-LGBTQ+. And, you know, as a result, the survey is now, like, excluding people who went from qualifying to, you know, not qualifying anymore because they recognize, oh, I'm bisexual or, oh, I'm non-binary or some shit like that. Another statsy kind of question I have is there was there was about, I think, close to 1700 people that they polled. And of that, I think 400 ended up being uh, LGBTQ leaving Mm. the remainder number like around 1300 or 1400 something like that and then here's the thing that you have to understand is out of that 1400 uh that then is break down into the various categories of either well they only mentioned millennial but i guess there's probably baby boomer and probably gen xers and so out of the 1300 those break down and i wonder how big the millennial number is that's not given and the only reason i ask that is because it is a telephone poll that harris used now i will say that uh when i was reading harris's sort of like methodology it does seem like they did some legit statistical fixes to try to like account for things right so weighing different yeah exactly and i I, again i don't have the raw data but i'm gonna say that that probably didn't have as much as an effect but it's still something that i would be curious about if i was going to like use this data in any like meaningful way ezra then starts to read some of the initiatives that are then proposed by glad to address this uh observed decline in millennial allyship well here's what the president of glad says With the knowledge that erosion in acceptance was primarily happening among younger males, GLAD launched a program dedicated to working with the video game industry on LGBTQ inclusion to bring LGBTQ characters and stories to a world where male audiences were consuming content. (laughs) Really? 
So that's so you think it's video games. You're seriously blaming video games. I'm gonna pause there. There's more to this clip. That is not what was even said. N no, I mean like that is the most insane jump because he read what they said, right? Yeah. yeah. So notice and it like it obviously does not say what he th says it no. says. No. Glad proposes the introduction of gay characters into video games, and Ezra interprets this interprets this as Glad saying that the decline in millennial support is because of video games, yeah. which is obviously not at all what they're saying. No, in fact, their it's argument is that given that the main demographic of video games is millennial males, then maybe the inclusion of gay or other LGBTQ characters will help them uh, or help to normalize them to that demographic. Okay. It says nothing about what the cause of the decline is. I tell you what, that's not going to make young men more pro-LGBTQ. It'll probably make them less so. Imagine having political lecturing imposed on your video games. Video games. I don't play video games, but I'm pretty sure the people who do, they do so for escaping from the BS of our real world. To get away from politics, imagine trying to inject woke politics into video games. It's the reason why Star Wars movies have done so poorly lately. Stop being woke. <laughs> I hate him. I really just fucking hate this guy. No, like, I, I mean, mean like, we've we already talked about this, which is that yeah. like politics is pretty yeah. much everywhere and especially yeah, yeah, no, in video every games. single time i see like some fucking like you know a dude kissing a girl i'm just like wow get that politics out of my video games moot point but i just want to point out that star wars the force awakens is the fourth highest grossing film of all time absolute so <laughs> failure all because of feminism ezra then uh criticizes glad's issues with uh the Trump administration. So we're gonna play another clip. We have taken that idea for granted and this year's results show that the sharp and quick rise in divisive rhetoric in politics and culture is having a negative influence on younger Americans. That's their way of blaming Trump. In fact, GLAAD has a whole campaign to demonize Trump. If you look here, they say hundreds of anti-gay incidents have happened on Trump's watch. All right, maybe not a hundred, but uh, hundreds, but 123 of them. And I started going through the list. Um, okay, so I guess they're not actually by Trump. This guy, Joe Walsh, he's an anti-Trump, never Trumper. He's challenging Trump. How can you blame Trump for what this anti-Trump guy says? Or here's a, here's a video by PragerU. That's social conservatives with a YouTube website. How's that blaming Trump? Trump I th first of all, are those actually anti-LGBT incidents that people are critical? The thing is, you're noticing he's he's just sort of incoherently stumbling. Yeah, yeah, no, this. he's like just sort of asserting various things. Where it's like, why would you believe something that's so, well, so, so stupid? Well, I actually it's so, so like, dumb. There's there's reason behind it, yeah. and we'll get to it like when it's done. Of trans extremism or something. If that's the worst you've got out of a thousand days of Trump that you got this website here and this guy, I'd say you're in a golden era. If that's the biggest gripe you can come up with. In fact, Trump appointed an out of the closet gay man, Richard Grinnell, as one of his most senior diplomats in the world, his ambassador. He loves gays. <laughs> Here's Trump campaigning in 2016 with a flag that says LGBT right on it. He's even got the T on there. Wow. Can you even remember Trump saying anything about L's or G's or B's or T's? He won't stop talking about J-O-B-S, jobs, and trade, and getting paid, and pay more, and wrestling with China. Do you really think 
that LGBT issues are even in his top 10. You've got to hate Trump pretty bad to, to blame anything on him if you're a gay rights activist. He just, I just don't even think he cares. He's, he loves gays. He loves, oh, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. <laughs> That's how he shows support, by not giving a shit. What matters more? The fact, the fact that he held up one of his fans' flags? Or him actually advocating for gay rights. But see, for these people, like, politics is a purely cosmetic thing. Yeah. You know, like, it's like, he said he loves gays. So who even gives a crap that he's, like, taking gay stuff out of the curriculum that can actually help people, like, live lives that don't suck shit? So I don't even know how he got from the list to talking about Joe Walsh, except for the fact that when I was on the anti-Trump list, the Joe Walsh article was in the sidebar. <laughs> I don't know if Ezra's just so stupid that he, like, confused the two. So this takes us to the list thing that he's talking about. November 1st, the Trump administration announced that they're allowing taxpayer-funded adoption agencies to use religious beliefs as an excuse to deny placement of children into homes of LGBTQ couples simply for being LGBTQ. Then we have on October 11th, the Trump administration announces its uh, support of allowing faith-based schools to use religion as a so-called right to discriminate against LGBTQ teachers and staff and removing pro-LGBTQ curriculum in classrooms. On October the 1st. But they don't need to have so, sexuality <laughs> rubbed in their face. So CNN reports that the fine. Federal Highway Administration sent a letter to members of the Ames City Council asking the city to remove pro-LGBTQ themed crosswalks in the community, citing so-called federal traffic control standards. Well, um, yeah, because they're distracting. September 27th. The Trump administration pens a statement of interest in support of granting the archdiocese the ability to discriminate or even fire a person from their job because they are LGBTQ. And I will just pick my last one, which was September 20th. The Department of Education removes sexual orientation and gender identity as terms to track bullying data for the agency, inserting sex stereotyping as a protected class instead. This eliminates any anti-LGBTQ bullying tracking data from the agency. Oh my God. So, I mean, like... See, like, to me, this is just, like, they are trying to set us up for a torturous existence. Exactly. Which is the reason why, like, to, for for Ezra's narrative to work such that Trump is just this, like, beaming light of pro-LGBTQ-ness, he can't read a single thing from this list because I mean, it discredits his whole argument. Again, like, but this is the thing is that... I, I mean, like, even if he did, like, I mean, I was narrating little things as you went along right there where it's like, that's how he would try to justify it. You know, well, green bows are kind of distracting, guys. Or like, fucking, uh, you know, or it's like, well, we don't, you know, ultimately it's up to the church whether they want to do that or that. Or come on, guys, I'm actually being very progressive right now. Growing up as like a kid who's like trans or gay or whatever, there are all kinds of things that you can be going through and trying to experiment it with and all that kind of thing just general day-to-day insecurities with being being you, like not just being yourself as this kind of like abstracted sort of self-expression kind of thing, but just like existing while trans, existing while gay, and trying to negotiate all of that in a society where you are abnormal, where you're considered to be a political interest, where you're considered to be intrinsically sexualized and all that kind of thing. Like just getting by in a circumstance like that is really fucking difficult and it becomes that much more difficult when you've got 
bullying and discrimination and active violence and coercion going on around you constantly. We need statistics about stuff like that in order to formulate like real solutions. And this is an active mode of like gratifying violence when they want to cut that kind of thing out. And it does. It fucks me right up because I know the kind of shit that I had to go through throughout high school that like it 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 it, it frankly fucked me up like on a permanent basis. Like and then the fu fucked up thing is that that having been fucked up on a permanent basis is then used later as a disqualifying criteria for listening to me in the first place. Yeah. You know, there is just no way to get out of this kind of a situation. And then they want to like fucking take away every single bit of advocacy we can possibly afford ourselves and then laugh in and, and spit in our face or chide us for not being open-minded enough when we're kind of mad about that happening. But we're gonna we're gonna end at least Ezra's talking about this topic with the final clip. And this to me is like the worst clip that we play. Uh, it's pretty bad in all the <laughs> nice. bullshit that I'm he so says. Hyped. But it's a pretty long clip, but we'll uh, we'll take it as it goes and stop if we need to. So there's plenty of gays and lesbians in, in sports, for example. There are even some sports that are stereotypically gay. I I don't think that bothers most people, but what about when a trans man, a the T in LGBT when a trans man insists he's a woman, okay, but then insists on competing course, against that's what he means. girls. Typically, it's some loser who can't cut it as a man competing against men. So presto, he declares he's a woman, and now he keeps winning because he crushes the girls. That super gross cycling champion. Oh. So actual trans men, by the way. Which of course means something very different from what he just said. Like there, there's a there's a trans dude right now who's going up against cis dudes and winning regularly. Like I'm sorry, but you know, at the end of the fucking day, like what you seem to think is biological superiority of people with testosterone dominance, like it's not really a real fucking thing. In fact, it can be very well rubbed in your fucking face. But none of this even makes sense on his face. Like this idea that uh, that these people can't cut it and therefore are transitioning just to like win a trophy so like often there are rules about how trans women can compete so it isn't as simple as declaring you're a woman and just being like thrown into something even if there were competitive advantages or disadvantages which i might disagree with that premise at the, the beginning but often these people have to take the hormones uh, and stuff like this in order to compete in the first place. So do you really think that a trans woman would go through all of the stigma and all of the therapy just so they can win a stupid fucking trophy? Uh, like, according that to this the... <laughs> dumbass, yeah. That makes perfect fucking sense in, yeah. like, brainworm land. So then he makes this offhand comment about the super gross cycling champion. I'm not transphobic, I just think they're really gross. But not only that, so this person that Ezra's referring to is Rachel McKinnon. And she was one of my professors in undergrad for epistemology. That's hilarious. And I witnessed her experience harassment from a student who was a libertarian who would constantly show up every day yelling at her and even put on his desk a recorder saying he was going to record everything that she did in order to like uh, refer her or like, like complain to the higher ups. And the rest of the class was telling him to fuck off. And like I witnessed that's, her that's experience harassment. harassment. Right. Yeah. But not only that, 
That's a I mean, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter, but I'll go through it, which is that at the time she w- uh, was my professor, she wasn't even competing, let alone uh, engaging in cycling. She was a woman at that time. Right. Now, a few years later, she ended up in uh, Charleston, I think, which is where she's now a professor. And that is where she engages in cycling and decided to do it competitively. And the one thing that never gets reported is that Rachel has lost before to some of the women that she has beat. So, for example, when she won back in 2018 and everyone made a big deal about it, she had lost 13 other times to to the woman oh who came second God. place. Yet everyone focuses on the single victory she got to say that the trans women have some sort of innate ability because they are, quote unquote, really men, according to these people. But similarly, she won again this year. However, she didn't win every race leading up to the championship race. And the times were so close that it's like within the range of like she could have just been easily beat by one of the other cyclists. You know what, sis, like straight people and whatever, they love this narrative of like... You know, anyone can just like do it, you know, every time you fall, yeah, just have to get back up again and try again. And then one day you'll succeed. It's all very cool and inspiring and all that kind of thing. She went through that. She did that. And what does she get? She gets shat on. You know, something that anyone else would be celebrated for. And Ezra and co. want to act as if she's just like some insecure man who, you know, no, like, that should be celebrated. And, like, again, I am so sick of people taking things that should be celebrated and turning them into perversion and ideology. That's what it is. They're turning it into politics. You know, you want to talk about politicizing things that, like, just don't need to be politicized? That's what you're all over, Ezra, you fucking ideologue. If you dare to speak out against any of this, you'll be demonized. You'll be punished, you'll be called a bigot. Here's a student who was kicked out of a classroom by his teacher for saying there's only two genders. Which you're saying that there's no such thing as anyone other than male or female. Is Scientifically, they're just... I'll, I'll have to say there because he plays that clip and I was like, what the fuck did he just play? It was play? like two seconds. <laughs> it's basically, this happened in Scotland and I guess a student was being belligerent and kept on saying in class that there's only two genders to the point where the teacher asked him to leave. And now and, he's uh, being harassed. Uh, well, now that, so the student then videotaped uh, his teacher basically telling him that like, uh, your opinions are yours to keep to yourself that in our classroom we're inclusive and blah 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 and he videoed it posted it on the internet and I think eventually he got kicked out of school not because of the trans stuff but because he's not allowed to videotape his professors according to like the rules or whatever so he got like uh-huh. expelled but I think also he's the, always the victim I think also the student was at the point where he was like in uh, kind of like in Ontario we call it like our victory lap which is that he had already sort of like uh, got enough credits to graduate but it was like hanging around for other things so it was like at the point where the school was just like i don't care to keep you around and got rid of him but he plays this clip as if like the trans bullies are getting uh, kids kicked out of school look most people don't want to debate or argue with other students or certainly not their teachers that kid was an anomaly and he has the wits to tape it but look at this one this this is very different look at this trans student who won a school board vote to force the school to let change in the girls' changing room with all the girls, to get naked with the girls. Watch joy. 
and the joy of the school bureaucrats who come to hug but then look at the fear and sorrow in the eyes of a girl who says well she changes in there naked for sports every day but yeah she she she's not sure she wants to do that anymore take a look at this oh, i'm i'm ecstatic I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I feel uncomfortable that um, my privacy is being invaded as I am a swimmer. I do change multiple times naked in front of the other students in the locker room. And um, I, I understand that the board has an obligation to all students, but um, I was hoping that they would go about this in a different way that would also accommodate, accommodate students such as myself really just like this kind of insecurity like you know this idea that like no 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 like i mean even when she's in there in the like washroom now like you know in the women's washroom and whatever i can understand I, I i can just imagine the way that she's going to be she's going to be mostly trying to keep to herself and you know spend as little time in there as possible or at least that's what i would hypothesize because that's the way i tend to go about things uh, depending depending on the setting and how many people are around and whatever, and whether or not it seems like I can trust the people who are around, like because you know one thing is that like th a lot more conversation goes on in women's washrooms than men's washrooms, um, and uh, it, usually it becomes pretty clear pretty quickly whether you're dealing with someone who can deal with you being there or someone who's tolerating. You know, I've never actually had any harassment about the whole thing, but it's been clear when some people are just not like comfortable with my you know sharing the same fucking space as them and again like my, my response to that is basically get out of there as fast as possible yeah. like so i can't imagine that like this person is going to be like sitting there and dwelling on this whole fucking thing in the first place like not that it would be the end of the world if she did um but like you know like i mean it really strikes me as a kind of segregation you know, it's this kind of thing where, like, there had to be hard-won victories for various kinds of, like, you know, overcoming apartheid and stuff like that. And I know that it's, like, wrong to make, like, kind of a direct relationship between, like, something to do with, like, racial um, politics well, but you and, can like, see the analogy right where here, there would probably like, be people upset there with, were like, white women who yeah. were very upset oh, I have to that look black, at black women, women were yeah. sharing the same washrooms as them and stuff like that and ultimately at the end of the day they don't have fuck all to be worried about but that's what this kind of thing reminds me of does it interface perfectly no it doesn't have to but it's this a very similar kind of mentality i think that's going on right here right which is like it's not spelled out there, but it's like what what is what has that woman been told such that she's afraid in this context? Well, and what does she have an investment in? Right. What kind of investment does she have in cis normativity? Right. In the same way as whiteness for other situations. Right. I know, like you're reacting to it. I reacted to it when I first heard it too, because it's so exploitative mm -hmm. that as replaced this clip that it like hits you in a very profound way. Yeah. Uh, Especially if you're someone who has empathy for these people. Like, to mm -hmm. come from that, like, sheer moment of joy that this person has experienced and then to, like, shit all over it is yeah. just like a... With the, like, you know, discomfort yeah. of somebody who is acting basically on a stereotype that trans women are, you know, 
sexual harassers and whatever the hell and there's again there's like very little data that supports any kind of a regular occurrence of any such thing you know any that it that it happens with any more frequency than with in fact i'm quite sure it's like less likely that a trans woman will do fucking anything like out of the ordinary in a women's washroom than a cis woman would be like yeah i think that millennial or generations z the zoomers that guy who was kicked out of class and that that girl scared to change in the change room if you ask them what they think of gays or lesbians the l's and the g's i don't think they'd care much just guessing but if you ask them what they think of the t's oh the trans i think they might say they're being bullied politically bullied socially bullied and for that young woman physically bullied change in front of me no 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 i don't i don't think she's an ally of the t's and if you ask them if they were still allies of the lgbt i'm not surprised at all that you'd find those numbers plummeting but hey it's easier to blame donald trump isn't it and just to keep banning anyone who calls and you need or a except for mother i guess yeah I, I just can't even listen to that anymore i'm sorry <laughs> well that's like, it it's done we're done yeah 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 it. okay for, for whatever it's worth like the last <laughs> few seconds of that i had my headphones off because i just cannot listen to this guy bitch any longer like it, i mean you I can tell so like for, for him it's definitely like i feel personally aggrieved by like all yeah, these things no so. and he i love how he doesn't even qualify it anymore there is no reason to look at anything he said right there as something other than an attack on trans people. You know, I'm fine with the L's and the T's and whatever. Well, he doesn't even mention the B's. Uh, But like, oh, the T's, no qualification or anything. Not even just the bad ones, but just like the entire fucking thing's bad. You know, there's nothing, (laughs) no reason at all to look at what he just said right there as anything other than an unabashed attack on trans people. But he's someone who's right now engaging in suing people for defamation, for calling him various things. Well, stop defaming yourself, dumbass. Here's the thing. It's like, that is a clear representation of transphobia. uh, Even when he says the, You're culpable for the things you do. When he he puts on the voice and goes, change in front of me, which is like, has nothing to do with what uh, the uh, trans Uh. kid was doing. No. In, in their school. No, uh, no. And it will not happen, ever. No. Find me a single fucking report of that being, a, like, something that happens, you know? Like, sometimes those things go around, by the way. Because I already know that some people are going to have articles on hand about, you know, times that, like, you know, trans women followed uh, cis women to, into washrooms to sexual har- sexually harass, harass them. You know what? Not once does it actually involve a trans woman. It's always a cis dude who's following a wo- woman into a women's washroom, and then for some reason they they take that and they per, you know they 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 skew it into this idea that the cis man who was pursuing was a trans woman. But even if they're even if my, it did, the world, it wouldn't in the world, speak exactly. for everyone. I mean, because here's so here's the thing. I wanted to go on. So the one last thing before we move off this topic, which is why is Ezra, Ezra covering this now and not because saying he's back an in ideologue. June. Right? And an opportunist. Well, so it's worse than that. So the only thing that I can find, <laughs> which corresponds with when Ezra released uh, his show on the 9th, was an article written in the post-millennial by Blair White that covered this topic. And for those who don't know, Blair White is a Racist. Uh, trans YouTuber who does pro-Trump, very racist, bigoted on all kinds of fronts. She's fashy. Uh, 
But Blair makes a lot of the same arguments. By the way, cis women, cis, cis people, sorry, just cis people in general are totally like allowed to rag on Blair White. You have you have that uh, lane, by the way. <laughs> I'm just saying, like all cis cis people have the lane to criticize Blair White. Uh, do not say in your lane about any of this stuff. I'm so sick of people using that as an excuse not to be involved with stuff that does not directly concern them. It does directly concern you, for one thing. And for another thing, fucking, like, start speaking out. I'm so sick of us having to fight our own battles all the goddamn time when we can't even enter the battlefield sometimes. Like, just goddamn help out once in a while. Anyway, sorry. Hey, I try. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. See, he's one of the good ones. <laughs> one of the good sis. <laughs> That even sounds gross, you say. <laughs> uh, but here's the thing. So you get a like, cookie. <laughs> there's a weird, like, irony in that uh, here's Ezra doing his whole report stealing from a trans woman, even though, like, what he's stealing from her is, like, the bigoted shit that she's saying, right? Right. But uh, Blair makes the, the exact same arguments, which is that the left wants to blame Trump, but in reality, the problem is trans activists. Right. And of course, for Blair, who, I'm one of the good ones, yeah, though. I'm yeah. racist, just like you. <laughs> so, so Blair lists out what her issues are, which is that uh, uh, that there's these radical trans lefties who want to introduce hormones into kids, and they want to force people to date trans people and allow trans women uh, to play sports with women. So those are the three sort of like items that she gives for why millennial support is dropping. Love it. And she follows this by writing, to be clear. These are also all ideas that are incompatible with the general public. It is society's natural inclination to protect children and women. So why is it that the trans community has made it their mission to brand themselves as something that at best disregards the harm to both children and women and at worst willingly inflicts it? So again, there's no evidence to support that. It's just this idea that somehow if you let... It's what, uh, one that they've already taken for granted. It just seems like common sense to them. Yeah. And it seems like such a bizarre argument for a trans woman to be making when these are the exact same she arguments an investment that are using in it. to harm her. Uh, yes. She has an investment in it. You know? It's useful to her. Yeah. So she then argues that the real bullies are the LGBT community. As she but writes, not me. Uh, I'm one of the good ones. Yeah. As she writes, why must I be forced to accept drag queens uh, teaching sex ed to my children? And why am I feeling my heart race at the mere thought of questioning or challenging oh, it publicly? Such right. drama. <laughs> uh, Blair has previously created videos pointing uh, to one example of someone who was a registered sex offender who was able to read to kids at a public library during drag queen story time. Of course, so the thing about this is it's not indicated that this person was, say, a sexual offender uh, to children uh, or to what extent they were a sexual offender. But let's just leave that. They were a sexual offender and somehow it, they weren't screened and were able to do their story time to kids. Okay, But of course, one example doesn't tell you anything about the general trend linking trans people to sexual predation, which is what Blair was trying to also, do with her video. there's tons and tons and tons of like straight male like sex offenders who still have teaching jobs for some reason you mean so... like through uh but also in like religion like the catholic oh, church but also even donald trump who was accused of having sex with a minor provided right. by jeffrey and he has a get out clause <laughs> on that if if if, tra if if trump were trans he would have been in on like in jail long ago Cancel. for sexual uh harassment yeah. or whatever because there's this idea that trans women are just intrinsically sexual offenders, whereas Trump can get away with actively talking about how he's sexually harassed women and, you know, touched them in various ways without consent. Yeah. Uh, and 
nobody fucking lays a finger on him because he's a popular white male with a whole lot of money. Like, money. Blair also received some heat from this video because the thumbnail contained the image of a drag queen who was not the registered sex offender. So in the video, she talks about the sex offender. The first one uh, is this person with flamboyantly colored hair, but with a beard. And that's, I guess the image is supposed to create this stark contrast to make people freak out. Yeah, yeah. It's easier to sensationalize. Yeah. And of course, the title of the video says, I'm a predator, but it's okay because I'm a drag queen. And so when you have the person who's not the predator uh, as your front image, that's kind of... uh, not good. Maybe a little bit misleading, huh? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and the the person did threaten to sue, but I don't think they they followed through with it, leaving Blair to cockily assert uh, in other videos of like, "Why don't you sue me then?" kind of like stuff. But right. Uh, Blair's whole philosophy about educating kids about sexuality is to basically let them roam free and learn about it on their own. Because God forbid you teach the kids anything. And and so I wanted to ex- <laughs> play an example of this because it is it is so insane but look at how she responds to a kid asking a trans man a basic simple fucking question if you were a girl when uh like you're little how did you like change to become like a boy uh, uh i'm sorry but if a little kid asked me a question like that i would respond pretty much exactly like this you'll learn when you're older little boy don't ask me questions like that it doesn't concern you don't worry about it don't concern yourself with it go play hopscotch do whatever the hell y'all do you suck shit. <laughs> you're so you're really bad at educating people, for one thing. It's a good thing that I'm way better at that than you are. People listen to me and they understand me, whereas you just sound like a fucking batshit insane person. Because you are. Fuck you, Blair White. Like kids like the thing is, it's clear to me that Blair White has not spent that much time with children. Because like no. my my four year old asks me I mean, all kinds of questions. Conservatives don't understand even- kids in the first place. Because here's the thing is like, I can imagine that question that that kid raised being uncomfortable in certain circumstances if someone just blurted that out to a trans person. But when you're right, but in, I mean, not everyone is the same. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I'm, 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 yeah. But this was in an educative space where this question was raised, right? And the person went in there knowing that the, the point, the goal of me being here is to educate. Right. Right. And so they receive, he receives this question and provided, proceeds to provide an answer i'm not going to play the answer but the whole idea is like that's not an awkward question no it's and not. why should it be awkward? Oh. like especially when that guy is actually standing there like putting himself out there for that kind of questioning yeah so he ends this episode by interviewing lauren gunter there was two uh moments that i want to talk about though like really briefly which is just like moments of pushback which is actually very rare on a show because usually the guest just goes along with what ezra's saying but ezra at one point compares toronto to chicago in terms of gun violence and even gunter calls him out on it so it's like all right cool and then another interesting exchange is that ezra brings up uh the guy who said he was worried about violence occurring during the last election so this is something we've covered before and Ezra starts to spin some sort of conspiracy theory. But again, Lauren cuts him off and says, he's probably just out of touch. Like, no need to conspiracy theory about this or whatever. And I thought that that, <laughs> I thought that, that was very interesting. Because usually even, even the his correspondents are just like, all right, Ezra, yeah. can we come back to Earth for a second here? Yeah, exactly. So we'll, we'll blow through also the 10th. The There's nothing much to, to fully play through here, except for one important clip on the first half, which is, so except Ezra is mad that a CEO of WestJet is mad about Wexit. So it's this circle of mad. And like, frankly, I don't care what the CEO of WestJet has to say about anything. 
So it really doesn't matter. Wow, so he's triggered? Yeah. And he keeps calling him a globalist, and it's like, cool, whatever. But at one point... <laughs> In other words, okay, cool. <laughs> Big time echo brackets going on right here. Yes, yes. Thank you, Ezra. At we one... needed more self-hating like Jews around. Yeah. Anyway. At uh... one point, Ezra says that the FLQ terrorism actually worked for Quebec. Lol. And I think he realizes this is a bad thing to say, and so sort of walks it back by saying he's against terrorism. But given that Ezra is pro-Wexit and says that Wexiters need to learn about separatism from Quebec, it's a pretty dangerous thing to say that, like, the terrorist route is sort of, like, the one that succeeds. And so I'm going to play it just so that we have it on record of him sort of saying this. What's to learn from Quebec? For a Wexiteer? Well, Quebec got so many things because they had an or else. There was always a threat of separatism that was more terrifying to the rest of Canada than actual separatism probably would have been. I despise the FLQ terrorists, and I am utterly against them in any way. But I think it worked. Ah, uh, that's interesting. Right yeah. There. But probably you know, not a good thing to say to oh, his gun-toting no, 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 absolutely you know. not. The, especially because he seems to be endorsing it. And that's, I mean, that's he's, he's right about the idea. I think that he's actually quite yes. correct about this thing yes. where, like, the idea of secession is more important than the action thereof. And the way that that kind of represents this kind of, like, it, it represents this sort of a separatist identity and kind of a social solidarity built into it. And I think that that's a whole lot of actually that what's going on with Wexit as well. So it's actually really interesting that he says that. He's obviously taking it in a very direct, different direction than I would. But yeah. I think that a lot to do with that um, that observation actually rings quite true. It's to me though like that that was a very sort of like again Alexy Jonesy type argument mm. which again is interesting that he was just yeah. on his show. And he's obviously honestly. mostly on board with a particular kind of Quebec separatism. You know, he's talking about this FLQ kind of Maxime yeah. Bernier kind of thing rather than like any kind of, you know, because there are No, who... he, he... He clearly dislikes Quebec in a lot of ways from oh, some yeah. of the other things that he said. But for him, it's it's what he keeps on saying. And this, I don't know how much we've covered it on the show, really. But like he keeps on referring back to the fact that Quebec has like written about it and studied it. And like for Wexeters to like begin their movement, he's like, we need to learn from Quebec. It's kind of like the but thing only that he keeps specific saying. parts. Yes, of it. Yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. No, it really is. That's interesting. Right. So then we'll go to the interview segment, which is uh, with the Breitbart editor, Joel Pollack, which is a guest he has on every week. And they're going to talk about impeachment, or rather they're going to like hand motion in the vicinity of impeachment, because yeah. if they they're ever talk, talk about... It. Yeah. They're going to talk around impeachment. <laughs> it's this weird game, because like I'm listening to this going, what's the purpose? Because some right. of the things they say is clearly false, but it's more of just right. like... We're going to talk about talking about it so that we're showing our audience that we're talking about it. But if we even step one foot into like the weeds of it, Mm -hmm. we're going to say too much that might like get us in trouble or say the wrong thing. Or alienate certain people. Yeah. One of the things that Pollock says that is like a clear factual inaccuracy is he referenced Cass Sunstein saying that abuse of power is not an impeachable offense. So abuse of power is one of the... uh, uh, articles of impeachment that the Democrats passed in the judiciary recently. But if I went back to look at Cass Sunstein's work to see what he has to say about this, and I found an article in the New York Times back in September where Cass Sunstein explicitly highlights abuse of power as being uh, specifically relevant for impeachment as an impeachable right. offense. So it's like, it's almost like, why did you bring this up? <laughs> it's like To me, that was like the whole time you're just listening to them going, why are you saying this? Okay. They talk about Kamala Harris because Pollock 
constantly said that Kamala Harris was going to be the one who wins the Democratic primary. And, okay, that's interesting. And uh, she basically finished her race recently. Yeah. And so then Ezra points this out to Pollock, and Pollock goes, oh, yes, and then moves on. It doesn't address it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, anyway, uh, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> moving now, on from my gigantic gaffe. That, like... But now Pollock has... Uh, has in, not endorsed, but basically said that he thinks Pete's going to win, Pete Buttigieg. And the funny thing is but that you you can almost tell the reason why Pollock chose Kamala Harris was because she was a black woman. And now you can tell he's moved on to Pete because he's a gay man. And that so for Pollock, the Breitbart editor, all he can think is all Democrats think about is identity. And therefore, of course, Kamala was going to be the winner, even though because all the polls a- were like, she was suggesting barely, otherwise. Yeah, she was like fifth place and whatever. Yeah. And I mean, Pete might win, but it's just the fact that that's the next person he moves to just because I like... Because of scary others. Right. Yeah. So the last final thing that we're going to cover with Pollock is that he says something ear-piercing about Mike Bloomberg. His opponents are going to get a month of free media coverage in Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, South Carolina. Oh, and here's another thing. This ties back into impeachment. So really, <laughs> the only reason I played that clip is a reminder that you can become Joel's annoying interrupting cell phone uh, Patreon level for just $20 a month. <laughs> because nice. jo- every time Joel's going to be on there, we're going to hear that friggin' cell phone go Oops, royalties. that recently we interviewed uh, Mo al Qasem, who's a member of Students Against Israel Apartheid at York University. So they're going through a battle right now with the York administration over whether or not they get to remain a campus club over what happened uh, on November 20th. So they're looking for community support. So if you are part of a labor council or a TA or student union, they are looking for letters of support. And so... uh, Get involved and hopefully you can craft something. If you want an example, you can check out QP3903, which is uh, York's TA union. They wrote a letter of support. And so you can just go onto their website, Google it, and you can find an example. And then try to pass something like that at your student union or your your local union to give them support because they need it. and so Mo wanted me to pass that on. So if you enjoy what you have heard so far, please give us a few bucks over on patreon.com slash Imperial News. And if you want to stay informed about what we are doing, you can also find us on Twitter at Imperial News with a Z. I just created an Instagram account. You can check that out. With a Z? Now we're very, very American, aren't we? Well, it's because there was already a Twitter account with Imperial News with an S. So I, I right, to, right, right, right. I had to improvise. And I, it was even worse improvisation for the uh, the Instagram account because we're W-X-Y-N-Z. News Imperial. <laughs> News Imperial. Yeah, but no said. So <laughs> it's like, news Imperial. Like. News Imperial. Uh, we have a private Facebook group called Imperial News. Uh, we also have a Discord set up. You can find the link on our Twitter. And you both... may want to link the Facebook because, again, I have trouble searching for it on it. Fair enough. I could probably link that on uh, the Twitter as well yeah, since I don't URL. use the Twitch as much. But the thing is, uh, it should be as soon as you search Imperial News. It's, yeah, it it's should one of the be, only but that was, it Facebook. should have been before, too, when it wasn't working. So. They're liars. Okay, well, I'll check yeah. that out. No, uh, Facebook loves screwing us. Yep. You can uh, email us any questions or corrections at imperial.fake.news at gmail.com, and I will get to some of them at the end of each show or the beginning <laughs> if it's a one. correction. Uh, 
I would also like to thank my friend Mason Tickle, who provided the Star Wars inspired transition beats. <laughs> he has an album. You can find it at striatum.bandcamp.com. I'd also like to thank Evelyn for being the guest again. I'm gay. Do you do you have anything? I guess you could promote your Twitter. I can plug my dumbass Twitter. Yeah. I post a whole lot of just like stupid garbage. Sometimes it's just like really extremist, inaccessible politics and um, academic jargon. And then other times it's just me sort of like saying words yeah yeah i'm saying words of sorts i suppose <laughs> they are words they are words uh yeah i'm like sun witch so like witch as in bubble bubble toil and trouble but like you know with two eyes because that way it's more kind of like hip i guess uh and sun as in like wii u so like sun s-u-n-w-i-i-t-c-h that's nice. on twitter or you can even friend me on facebook i love you guys Evelyn Newland. Newland. The newest of the lands. Yeah, Newland. N-E-W-L-A-N-D. So thanks again for being on. And thank you for listening. Yeah. And from now on, any reference to millennial shall henceforth be changed to willennial, and we will forever be forced to get jiggy with it. Na-na-na. Na-na-na-na. I fucking hate you. Albumbia, Albumbia, how lovely are your wheat fields.